Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before God, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed, as before, all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy nation and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. May the service be presented into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. The book of Matthew 5:45 and 48. <clears throat> that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. This revelation is the revelation of the last days. Previously, people would just read this place, but it was never explained how is it you can be perfect or need to be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect and what does it mean to command your Son to shine as the Heavenly Father does upon the uh, righteous and unrighteous and your reigns upon the just and unjust because it says here, be as He is. And so that means we have our own son and we have our own reign. And this is, of course, for the children of God because we know that we are a symbol of the cloud that is filled with moisture, filled with the revelation in our heart, filled with the word of God in our heart. These can pour out their rains, but if people are clouds that are empty, that are... Uh, attracted in different ways and so these people or such clouds are not able to pour out any kind of rain and if they are not a light to the world then how can they uh, shine their sun upon the righteous and unrighteous when God shines upon the righteous he caresses them with the rays of his light and in these rays healing comes when these rays fall upon the unrighteous then it burns them because God hates people who hate him. The hatred of God 
is that they rejected his commandments, did not or refused to fulfill them, refused the order of the body of Christ. We're talking about Christian people. <clears throat> and so to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect is a fundamental commandment, which is the inheritance of the saints of all times, and the commandment is addressed by Christ strictly to his students. And so people who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God have never had any part to the inheritance that is contained in this commandment, and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to, because they are not students of Christ. They are students of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, or whoever else, but not the apostles of Christ. As it relates to fulfilling this commanding order to be vigilant over the word of God within our heart, as God is vigilant over his spoken word within the temple of our body, we <clears throat> because we understand that this word is addressed to the saints and it is addressed to our temple. And so God is vigilant over his words in the temple of our body where this word is placed. We stopped to study the question, what specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that we are collaborating with within our heart? And in part, we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant, where we, in the death of the Lord Jesus, died by the law for the law, so that in the new tablets of the covenant, symbolizing the resurrection of Christ, we can receive justification, so that we can live for the one that died and for us and resurrected, so that in this way we obtain confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant, symbolizing the resurrection of Christ, so that we can provide God with the proper foundation that he needs to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith, like he gave it or gave this promise to Abraham or his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Romans 4.13 Therefore the covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that is spoken by his delegated ones. I shall remind us that God's faith is information that is passed on to us in the preached word. These are not emotions or feelings. This is information, the word of God that we hear. And our faith is simple obedience to that information and so I like to always say that God's faith is the general and he is the he's the the general the commander and ours our faith is the strict obedience and gladly following the captain the perfecter of our faith as it is written look to the perfecter of our faith Jesus Christ and so, by what science can we examine ourselves that the peace of God rules within our heart, which identifies us as the sons of God and as the most holy of the Lord? And so, if we are the sons of peace, then inside of us, the covenant of peace is established within our heart. How do we determine that? Because the peace of God in our heart identifies us that we are truly the children of God, God's Holiness. To examine your heart as to whether the peace of God is governing in it is possible by the ability to be a peacemaker. 
This characterizes us as the sons of God, as it is written, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9. And so if you imagine for yourself, if a person does not have peace in his heart, then he is not a son of God. God can't call him his son because in his heart, he does not have peace between him and this person. God's peace is the covenant of peace that God has made with man, for which man carries responsibility and God also in his in his own functions. God has his functions and man has his. Man fulfills the conditions of this covenant and then God uh, has the ability then to fulfill what he has promised in that covenant. Six signs by which we need to judge of our belonging to the sons of peace have already been subjects of our study, and we stopped to study the seventh, and I shall remind us that we are studying, <clears throat> if you remember, the tablets of the covenant that were broken, and then new tablets were carved, and in them we see a new covenant. This is the service of justification. And so by by what science can we determine this is by our ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love of God but above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection and let in the world there's nothing perfect absolutely nothing is perfect in the world everything is relevant is uh, is relative so but here God says that God's love is the bond of all perfection. So there's perfection in one area, second, third, <clears throat> and fourth area. And uniting all of these forms of perfection, putting them together, uniting them, they united are called God's love. And so regular human love is not able to be perfection. If the love of man could be perfection, would husbands be leaving their wives and wives their husbands? Of course not because their love would have been perfect in the in the likeness of God's love, which is why God wants that in the church, His saints love their wives and their husbands, not just with this human love, the filial love, or uh, uh, storgi, or eris. These are three forms of tolerant love, egotistical love, but that they love with the love of God, agape. As it is written, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You see, so when we have God's love, when we clothe ourselves into God's love, then the peace of God will receive its ability to rule in our heart. We have made a covenant of peace with God, but that doesn't mean He can rule. We need to do something so that this covenant would be able to be exalted in our body, would be able to rule in our body, and what we need to do is clothe ourselves into God's love, our proper relationship with one another, and then the peace of God can rule in our hearts, to which also we are called in one body, and then the scriptures say, and be thankful. Thankful in this case, friend, uh, treat one another as if it, it, this is your bestest of friends. You know, when people are very close friends, then they are very considerate of, of this person, even if they make a mistake. And if someone else attacks them, this person defends them because it's my friend. 
and so the the word friend is not the friend uh, definition of friend in the world although even in the world the word friend is pretty important but when it talks about friend in scripture or implies friend is God himself God wants to be he called Abraham his friend who, who did he call his friend Abraham and he became the father of all who believe and when he became a father of all who believe all those who possess the faith of Abraham also become friends with God and this friendship with God needs to be reflected in uh, between in our relationships with one another and scripture the holy or selective love of God agape is presented in scripture by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or components by the preached word of the apostles and prophets that in essence are the unchanging virtues of the qualities of God and so these seven characteristics these demonstrate the essence of the heart of our Heavenly Father virtue knowledge self-control perseverance godliness brotherly kindness and love it's written in 2nd Peter 1 2 through 8 and so when these virtues when we have these characteristics when we clothe ourselves into them we become a part of God's divine nature we become as God is and this makes us partakers of the great and precious promises the great and precious promises that are to be opened up in the last days they will be opened up only for those people whose heart will be this way that will clothe themselves into such a love that will contain these seven uh, characteristics that flow one from the other they're united they will confirm the truthful nature of of the other one in a specific format of the seven given characteristics of virtue that united identified the goodness of God within our heart <clears throat> identify the goodness or the godliness of God within our heart we have already studied five characteristics and have been studying the sixth this is the calling to demonstrate the unearthly power of brotherly love that comes from godliness having this great and noble component in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith moves us from the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life we know <clears throat> again it's noted here that he we know we don't think we don't uh, guess we're not looking into a mirror uh, into a dim mirror as it were we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren why because we love the brethren he who does not love his brother abides in death whoever hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him first John 3 14 15 <clears throat> and so when we're born from God we don't immediately pass from death to life we are born from God and we need to make a choice to pat to pass ourselves from death to life and this choice is given to us this option when we come out of infancy spiritual infancy when we leave our nation we die for our nation in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ die for the house of our father and die for our corrupt or destructive desires and so then we are given this option the opportunity to choose how can a person who just repented make a choice about him it is written that he is tossed to and from by various winds of doctrine he does not know who his father is and who his mother is he he asks the questions what God is only in this church no God is he says God is in all churches yes he may be in all churches but 
Do you think that you can live with all men or just with one man, your husband? You understand what I'm what I'm talking about? That doesn't mean that God is not in other churches, but every church has a specific order. It's a, a matrimonial contract that you make. Uh, you make a contract with your church as you do with your husband or wife. Your uh, behavior toward this church, uh, God has united himself with his church as in a as in a matrimonial contract and you need to have that with you that with your church you can uh respectfully visit a different church but you don't need to listen to the other husband because god has placed that husband over that church you need to listen to your husband whom god has placed over your church as the scriptures say further that anyone who hates his brother is a murderer And so a murderer has no eternal life abiding in him. And we know that hatred, uh, and so we shed their blood and and when we hate them. And this hatred comes from jealousy that we have inherited all together. And me and you, we all inherited this uh, jealousy from the sinful life of our fathers in the flesh. Because the devil, because of jealousy, he fell. He had jealousy toward God. He has thrown his authority, his his power, and so he was jealous and he wanted to take his place. So you understand that everything that happens, it happens because of jealousy. Sin uh, entered the world because of jealousy. And this root system, this is the root system of all of our misfortunes. And every one of us can, if they're honest with themselves, can say, yes, I do sense this jealousy, especially especially toward those that I think are better than me, or the opposite, I think that I am, I am better than they are, and so why is it that they are smiling at that person and not at me, or giving them credit for something I feel I need credit for, and so we then speak evil against them, And when a pers- someone speaks to you about this person, you then uh, try to evaluate them in some way. And so you say, if someone's not attractive, you say 2 plus 2. Well, you'll say that's actually a 3. And the one that is attractive or favorable toward, uh, in your eyes, uh, 2 plus 2 will be a 5. That's how you will then rate them. It's an unfairly rating of, of, of the person because of our bias toward them relevant to this as with the previous components of the virtue of God and his unique for us goodness which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in the seven characteristics of virtue it is necessary for us to answer four classical questions what do the scriptures say about the power of brotherly love which we are called to demonstrate in our faith what purpose is the power of brotherly love called to fulfill which we are called to demonstrate in our faith What conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can receive power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith in a specific format? We already looked at the first three questions and stopped to study question four. By what signs can we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith and not some kind of counterfeit uh, or uh, imitation of it? We have already studied the first five signs by which we can judge that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith which comes from our godliness and stop to study 
the sixth sign. This is by our ability to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. As it is written in the book uh, of Apostle Paul, uh, the Philippi- Philippians 4, 5 through 7. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And so let your gentleness, that's let your light be known to all men. And so a gentle heart that demonstrates its gentleness in the person's mouth if a person does not have a gentle or meek heart this is the tree of life that is grown in his heart and if he does not have uh, anything like this in his heart and if he sees this allegory as as if he thinks literally he'll be in some kind of paradise that will have a tree of life that he'll eat fruit from he doesn't understand that he needs to grow this tree of life in himself and be and then eat, eat its fruits. He won't be the one to eat the fruits first. God will. And the leaves of this tree will be the, for the healing of nations. And so your gentleness will be known to all men. And the Lord is at hand that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Why do we need to be a light to the world? Because the Lord is at hand. And if 2,000 years ago these words were written and people acknowledged this, imagine right now how the church needs to understand that the Lord is at hand. The rapture of the church is close, and for the rapture something needs to happen. You need to receive a guarantee to be raptured, and this guarantee is Methuselah, the one who is born by us, Methuselah who drives away death. This is by faith, receive the promise that you have died to sin the destruction of the stronghold of death. You died for governing sin. He is no longer our husband. And we have began to proclaim the non-existent stronghold of incorruption in our body as existent. This is the guarantee of rapture. And so in this place of scripture, I'll read. The, I'll finish reading the place. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In this given place of Scripture, the character of the fruit of the Spirit in the quality of gentleness by the means of which we are called to discipline our tongue by the truth that is concealed within our heart is contrary to the character of the work of the flesh that reveals itself in disobedience to the truth or not believing of the truth. The ability of a gentle or meek person to not be anxious for any, about anything when it comes to his well-being on earth is contrary to the anxieties of man who is not able to discipline the desires of his flesh because he does not have the truth in his heart. He does not have the undamaged truth. He has a collection of maybe some kind of commandments that he does not understand or comprehend. These are just slogans. And when you're given slogans and they're not explained to you, these slogans, although they may be beautiful places and promises, they are as a drug because they satisfy you as a a drug addict would be satisfied when you give him drugs. But how can you be satisfied when it says cast off of yourself the old man, renew your mind, and afterwards begin to clothe your body into the new person. People read it and they don't know. They don't know how do you how do you identify the old man, how do you 
how do you have how do you deal with him and so it says there's governing sin but people say well we don't have it in us we don't sin when they are actually jealous they condemn they and they condemn entire churches they condemn the apostles of Christ they say you can't judge but they themselves judge everyone and so forth and so the ability of a person uh, where it says a wholesome tongue is a tree of life but perverseness in it breaks the spirit it says Proverbs uh, 15.4 the ability is of a gentle or meek person not to be anxious about anything when it comes to his well-being on earth is contrary to the anxieties of a man who is not able to be disciplined with the desires of the flesh and so why when the lamp started to die uh, and the unwise virgins began to realize they're dying for God that the Holy Spirit is leaving them that there's no uh, fellowship uh, that used to be there because and why was it there because in the lamp they had oil but now the oil is gone and there's nowhere no nowhere to to uh, from where to take more and add to the lamp and so oil needed to be added morning and evening and so the time has come toward the evening the groom is coming and the wise had fixed their lamps but the other saw that their lamp is dying and they're not able to greet him they don't have a guarantee to rapture what do what do they do they begin to panic and they come to the wise and say give us oil this is of course a a, a parable how can they give how can they give you their state which is the price for the losing of their nation the house of their father how can they give you that you have to yourself <clears throat> pay the appropriate price for the oil and so anxiety leading to the breaking of <clears throat> of the born from God spirit of man are bonds where a person is bound with various forms of phobias of non-existent fear because he has not grown the fruit of righteousness in his heart in gentleness with which he is called to discipline his mouth by which he can judge that he is demonstrating the power of brotherly love in his faith that passes him from eternal death into the state of eternal life second anxiety that a person is bound by is a result of his ignorance which is identical to something occult that is contrary to the liberty of Christ called to deliver us from the slavery of sin to make us servants of righteousness capable of disciplining our mouth by the truth that is concealed within our heart which what does it mean to make us servants of righteousness or slaves of righteousness that means to be a what a bride of Christ or wife of Christ when we are servants of sin then we are wives of governing sin when we are servants of righteousness or slaves of righteousness we are the wife of Jesus Christ <clears throat> <clears throat> so when the old man dies we then can marry another our old man dies he's our husband and he dies when we deny our nation the house of our father and our corrupt desires because these three institutes of power they <clears throat> it, they are what the gover governing sin uses and it possesses our body as a husband but when we die for these he is destroyed he is driven out from within our body he dies 
Third, such anxiety indicates bad soil in the human heart, which he refuses to clean from dead works, so he can receive and grow within the good soil of his heart the fruit of gentleness in the form of the tree of life. In other words, to grow in the good soil of your heart, the tree of life. And a person refuses to do this, and this can clearly be seen when you compare the meaning that is contained in these two words, which are contrary to one another, contrary in character and their origin. And so preoccupation or cares demonstrated in anxiety have these has this meaning. This is disobedience to the word also unbelief or disobeying the faith of God an undisciplined tongue by the bonds of gentleness a person speaks what is in his head he expresses his pride I don't agree with this this is my opinion I have my I have freedom I have my right for my to my own opinion yes you have the right to your own opinion but if you make the wrong decision or choice and you don't uh, subject your mind to to the mind of Christ, this is a choice you make. This is something occult, a hard heart, in that of the evil one that a person catches himself into by the confessions of his mouth. This is the path to death. Gentleness that reveals itself in a disciplined tongue is the tree of life that has grown in the soil of our good heart. This is obedience of our faith to the faith of God, these are the words spoken by God's messengers, wisdom, strength, firmness, and the power of our spirit, trust upon God in mercy and compassion for our neighbor, the nets of the, the kingdom of heaven that we have caught ourselves into, confessing the faith of our heart. And so anxiety is demonstrating disobedience to the order contained in the body of Christ and it members of people to the category of lawless men who resist the truth of the preached word and try to clothe the works of the flesh and the rebellion of their flesh into garments of an outward appearance of godliness. At the same time, the gentleness of the heart, which makes itself known in a gentle or meek mouth, is an identification of the fruit of the spirit, testifying of the presence of the grown tree of life within the spirit of a person. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 15.4 And so, an undiscipline is death for our spirit. A component of the fruit of the spirit, the quality of gentleness <clears throat> with which a person disciplines his mouth with the truth that is concealed within his heart is testimony that he is clothed into the mantle of a student of Christ, which gives him the ability to learn from Christ to resist the words that come from his personal flesh for the benefit of opening up his mouth to confess the truth. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11, 28-30 We already know that the yoke of Christ is the will of God, the good, acceptable, and perfect will. He says, take your, my yoke upon you as I have taken the yoke of my Father to learn gentleness when we clothe ourselves into God's will and we fulfill it we demonstrate this gentleness or this meekness because the Father also bears this yoke in what way did Christ learn to bear the yoke of his Father 
take uh, my yoke upon you and learn from me as I have learned from my father the will of his father was in the word that the father spoke as soon as the father speaks the word then it becomes a yoke uh, a yoke for him he he becomes dependent of his word he becomes a voluntary servant of his word and this is the uh, gentleness uh, of his father he disciplines himself with the words that he himself has spoken and so when he turns to his church he speaks in a in in with a gentle mouth or a meek mouth and he has passed this yoke to them passed it on to them in the form of the give uh, given law and so he says take my yoke upon you as I have taken the yoke of my father you take my the yoke my yoke upon yourself because you need to learn it and to be able to learn you need to pay a price for learning go and purchase from the seller you need to pay the price this is the price of our own uh, price of our personal opinions our arrogance our ignorance uh, discipline yourself humble yourself incline your ear to listen to the Word of God and to examine ourselves on the presence of a gentle heart which makes itself known in a gentle mouth disciplined by our trust in God and upon his word and waiting for the coming salvation of our soul and our body we turn to the phrase by which we need to differentiate gentleness from non-discipline and wisdom from foolishness because a gentle heart is a wise heart and a heart that does not have gentleness then is a foolish heart this is by our our ability to make our request known to God in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving upon the condition that the essence of this request is disciplined by the bridle of gentleness which demonstrates itself in the desires of God identified as the will of God this is a format of such praise where we are obeying our faith to the faith of God we count ourselves dead to sin and living for God we proclaim the not existent stronghold of incorruption in our physical body as existent in a specific or it is specifically by the presence of a thankful heart that with thanksgiving opens its desire in prayer to fulfill the will of God is how we determine that we have in ourselves the existence of the fruit of gentleness because we can draw the favor of God upon ourselves only in the instant that we present our body a living sacrifice our praise is our sacrifice which will which allows God to show and confirm for us his salvation whoever offers his praise glorifies me and to him who orders his conduct aright I will show the salvation of God Psalm 50 23 imagine I say this often when we say when we sing when we speak when we sing when we pray it, it doesn't matter we need to turn uh, we need to we need to speak these things to God or sing them to God but when we don't do them to God we sing not to demonstrate what and so if we sing and if we don't find ourselves in the song that we sing don't sing the song it sometimes is a good melody or a good word but there are entire sentences sometimes or verses in uh, uh, in a song that are not uh, they don't apply to you when it comes to your relationship with God and so either change them up for yourself 
or find yourself a different song where you can uh, find your yearning or your your love, your need, your request to God so that it can be, you could you can sing them to God. And when you sing them to God, these words that are identify you, God will then be nourished by that song and you also. But when it's just someone wrote this song down and you just are trying to show your voice, um, this will satisfy only the uh, uh, flesh of men, <clears throat> flesh of men, as it were, and even that is hard to please many, uh, as you have to be a true professional. And so we have simple uh, singers or voices that may not be uh, trained or practiced, but when we sing. <clears throat> and it's under anointing, then all this is uh, not as relevant because <clears throat> and so when you listen to these songs, uh, you're not listening to professionalism, but you're <clears throat> listening to the essence of the songs themselves. <clears throat> I, I met a brother and he lived uh, with me for, for a short time. He didn't know notes. <clears throat> but he uh, he created instruments, uh, musical instruments, and played them himself. He had a very different uh, profession. He he had uh, very big hands and thick uh, thick fingers, and so he he would build mirrors and things like that. That was his profession. But and so he he also built instruments, and he. Uh, was on a train once and he was asked to play an instrument that he created and he began to play a, a psalm and one woman came to him and said uh, and came, came to him and asked him did you finish uh, um, uh, did you did you did you attend a musical institute where where uh, you received training he said no I <clears throat> I trained myself, I don't even know notes, he said. And so when our people sing, then some people who listen to us, they think that they're all professionals. When I talk to people, I just talk to them, they ask me, not Christian people, what kind of, uh, what kind of education do you have? And I tell them, and they ask me, why don't, why you always, why do you always hide uh, the 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 greater education that you have? Because you speak on a level of someone with great education. And so we have uh, teachers that they 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 did complete, and they have a very high level of education, and you speak even greater than they do often. When I was in the army, one of the generals told me this. He was one of the. They, because he was told that this this younger man will, in 10, 15 minutes, make us fools. He was told about me, and so he came to me and asked me questions, and he wanted to hear what I said. And after listening to me. Uh, for a, a short time, he said, 
you actually do have uh, wisdom. And so I asked him, why don't you go the right way or the right path? Uh, and he said, well, it's too late. And he showed me his badges. He said, I can't then, I can't now go on a path where I will be stomped upon. Because where he told me that where you are, you're, you're stomped upon by other people. But I told him that I don't feel like I'm being stomped upon. I, su I actually somewhat feel like I'm stomping on you, as I told him. Uh, and this happened often. And even when I spoke with religious people, uh, it feels like you're trampling on them because their ignorance, their absolute ignorance when it comes to Scripture, when they take a specific place of Scripture and according to that place, they start to uh, create something or... But I also bring forth other places for them to help explain. The Lord said to my Lord, if you remember that place, you say, I spoke with some people, they say, well, there's there's no uh, three in the Godhead. It's just his name is Father, uh, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's just the name of God. I said, no, these are three separate uh, individuals. And... In the Bible, it says, my, the Lord said to my Lord, then you could see clearly that one uh, individual is speaking with another here in Scripture. And so in another place, it says where the command of those who are vigilant has have commanded this. It was in a certain place of Scripture. It, it says these words, then... God is vigilant over the word. Angels are not able to be vigilant, but it, of course it implied that the Son and Holy Spirit were part of that. And so in a specific format, we already looked at three questions and have been studying the fourth. And the fourth question, we studied three signs in the fourth question uh, of the essence of a fitting form of praise that is called to be present within the atmosphere of brotherly love. And so it is that our praise will be within the boundaries of the sacred word hallelujah, which identifies in essence what a fitting form of praise to God is. By what signs do we determine that our praise is fitting? Hallelujah, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His, dis his descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light and darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and grieve. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Psalm 112, 1 through 10. 
we note that the word Alleluia is a form, a formula of Israel praising and thanking Yahweh while practicing their service to God. This word, just like the word Amen, has been adopted by every other language without being translated, specifically by the presence of this formula either at the beginning or the end of a specific place of scripture, we can identify the essence of the fitting form of praise that exists in this said place of scripture. In the given situation, the word Hallelujah that begins this place of scripture consists of ten components which identify the essence of a fitting form of praise to God that comes from our gracious heart within the atmosphere of brotherly love that moves us from eternal death to eternal life. And so first, praise to God coming from a righteous heart within the atmosphere of brotherly love is called to make itself known in the fear of the Lord together with a great delight for the commandments of God. This is praise to God coming from a righteous heart it's called to make itself known in God's descendants being mighty on earth in whom the upright nation will be blessed this is called to make itself known in wealth and riches in the house of the righteous where his righteousness will endure forever this is praise to God that comes from a righteous heart within the atmosphere of brotherly love which will make itself known in the light that will arise in the darkness demonstrating the fact that this person is gracious full of compassion and righteous fifth this is called to make itself known in the goodness of the righteous person consisting in him being gracious and lending and that he will guide his affairs with discretion this will demonstrate itself in the fact that the righteous will never be shaken and his name will be an everlasting remembrance this will be that the righteous will not be afraid of evil rumors or tidings and his heart is steadfast in the Lord praise to God coming from a righteous heart within the atmosphere of brotherly love is called to show that the heart that the heart of the righteous is established and he will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies ninth praise to God coming from a righteous heart will make itself known with with when that righteous has dispersed abroad has given to the poor his righteousness endures forever and his horn will be exalted with honor and that the wicked will see it and be grieved they shall gnash their teeth and melt away and desire of the wicked shall be shall perish therefore we stopped on the first component which is identified by the formula of the word hallelujah identifying the essence of praise that comes from our righteous heart in the fear of the lord together with the strong love of the commandment commandments of god as it, it is, strong love for the commandments of God is the result of the presence of the fear of the Lord in our righteous heart. We will take into consideration that the fact that we partake of the wife who fears God, who is the church of saints, who contains the order of the kingdom of heaven and one that resists churches with a democratic structure uh, when studying praise and the fear of the Lord, which prompts a great delight for the commandments of God. And so, of course, this will be when you're a member of a church that has the form of theocracy, that it will resist the form of the democratic form of service. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, shall, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Proverbs 31, 30 through 31. It is not possible to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not having salt, which indicates sanctification, or in any other area either if we are not possessors of the fear of the Lord according to the given proverb we conclude that a woman that fears God is a symbol of the church where the truth is preached due to which the saints 
put forth all of their effort and are able to be filled with the fear of the Lord. And she will then be given a reward from the fruit of her hands and her works will praise her at the gates of her place of dwelling. Therefore, so that as the woman who fears God, we can be filled with the fear of the Lord, it is necessary for us to comprehend how the scriptures define the good works of the woman in the form of the fear of the Lord. And for this purpose, it is necessary for us to first collaborate with the Holy Spirit in the form of the undamaged truth that is concealed in a righteous heart. And for this purpose, it is necessary for us to use all of the accessible to us means and all of the potential of our reasonable and willful abilities and to penetrate and learn the given discipline, it is necessary for us to answer a series of classical questions. The essence of the fear of the Lord, the purpose of the fear of the Lord, the price for obtaining the fear of the Lord, and the results for implementing the fear of the Lord. Relevant to this, we already looked at the first question, where is the wellspring from which the fear of the Lord flows, or what is the essence of the fear of the Lord? In short formulations, I will remind us of their essence, and then we will pay attention to and will study question two. First, the fear of the Lord is one of the names is one of the names and virtues of our heavenly Father, the Lord of hosts. Him you shall hallow. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. Isaiah eight thirteen. The fear of the Lord flows from and demonstrates itself in information, which is the wisdom of God, giving us the ability to know the essence of the commandments of the Lord and do them. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever, Psalm 111.10. Third, the fear of the Lord flows from the holiness of God and is a demonstration of this holiness. Thus says the Lord God, when I have gathered the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they have they have been scattered, and I am hallowed in them in the sight of the Gentiles, then they will dwell in their own land, which I give to my servant Jacob, and they will dwell safely there, build houses and plant vineyards. Yes, they will dwell securely when I execute judgment on all those around them who despise them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord their God. Ezekiel 28, 25 through 26. Fourth, the fear of the Lord produces humility and is a demonstration of our humility. That comes from our gentleness. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Proverbs 22.4 Fifth, the fear of the Lord in the format of the undamaged truth in the heart is clean as in its incorrupt nature. It endures forever in the judgments of the Lord, which are true and righteous altogether. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired they are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is a great reward. Psalm 19, 9 through 11. Six, the fear of the Lord concealed within our heart drive away all forms of demonic fear, as demonic fear that is inherited by us by the sinful seed of our fathers in the flesh cannot coexist with the fear of the Lord. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. First, John 4.18 Seventh, the fear of the Lord is the wellspring of eternal life that turns one away from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Proverbs 14.27 How did he turn us away? 
when we confess the faith of God, from that is the wellspring of life, and it turns us away from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord is the treasure that is incorruptible and unquenchable, <clears throat> which is the truth in the heart. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Isaiah 33, 6, and so stability of times, wisdom and knowledge, all of this is in the fear of the Lord. Question 2, what role is the fear of the Lord called to fulfill within the relationship of God with man and man with God? First, being filled with the fear of the Lord is called to give man knowledge about God. If there's no fear of the Lord and a person is not filled with the fear of the Lord, and so to be filled with the fear of the Lord is being obedient to the to the word of the Lord. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord, when you find the fear of the Lord, you will find his knowledge. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 2, 3 through 6. According to this place of scripture, the fear of the Lord is the means by which a person is able to know God. A person who does not have the fear of the Lord or is not filled with the fear of the Lord does not know God. And furthermore, and when we're talking about filled with the fear of the Lord, he's not obedient to it. He does not know God and is furthermore not able to love God. Because how can you love someone you don't know or one you haven't gotten to know? Therefore, axiom that you can love God but not have the fear of the Lord is unfaithful and absurd. Only when you get to know God do you unite with Him into one, and therefore knowledge about God that comes to us by knowing the fear of the Lord is called to place us into Christ and in turn Christ be placed into us. Therefore, when we, by the means of the fear of the Lord, by knowing God, are placed into Christ, He presents our interests on earth, in heaven, and in hell. But when we, by the means of the same fear of the Lord, by knowing God, give Christ the ability to be put to be put into us or placed into us, then it is not Him but we who carry absolute responsibility for presenting His interests on earth, in heaven, and in hell. And of course, such knowledge about God by the means of the fear of the Lord happens by learning, where a person is called to pay an everyday price of humility for his learning, demonstrated in the obedience of his faith to the faith of God spoken by the messengers of God. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility, Proverbs 15.33. Specifically, knowledge about God that comes to us by learning, the fear of the Lord gives us the ability to follow the commandments of God. If we will not be taught the fear of the Lord, we will not be able to fulfill God's commandments because the commandments of the Lord identify the essence of the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. How do you do this? By disciplining them with the bridle of gentleness. If, of course, we have this bridle in our heart, this is the truth. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And so, in the original pursuit that's chased after it, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. And so, God's perfection is seen here, that his faith will be against those people to cut them 
off the remembrance of them. And so his son and his reign will destroy the remembrance of these people and our son and reign will do the very same thing. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Psalm 34, 12 through 22. And so disciplining our tongue with gentleness and the ability to depart from evil and do good, seeking peace and pursuing peace, which is called to guard our minds in Christ Jesus, this is the fear of the Lord giving us knowledge about God. Or that the Lord the Lord says that oh that their heart in them that such a heart that they would have such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments that it might be well with them and with their children forever Deuteronomy 5.29 the fear of the Lord in the form of the undamaged truth in the heart is called to give us the ability to keep all of the commandments of the Lord all of our days so that it be good for us and our sons forever and I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. Jeremiah 32:40. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, sooner or later a person will depart from the Lord. Second, being filled with the fear of the Lord is called to prompt trust in God in the form of his delegated authority. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt so that the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Exodus 14.31 Pay attention here, only after the nation began to fear the Lord, they then believed the Lord and Moses. We can conclude from this that the absence of the fear of the Lord is also the absence of faith without which It is impossible for man to please God, to obey the word of God spoken by his messengers. Saints who do not trust the delegated authority of God do not have the fear of the Lord, opening up access to God, and consequently they are not able to receive the Son or the Father into their heart. Most assuredly I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Jesus said these words, John 13, 20. And so, he who receives me, receives him who sent me. But he who rejects you, rejects me and the one who sent me. And whatever trickery or games a person may pursue or play to justify their unbelief in the saints whom God personally placed over over them or over us for the benefit of teachers that they have elected for themselves, or when they begin to obey those whom God has placed not over them but over others. Instead of being obedient to their husband, they begin to obey other husbands. As it is fairly evident that in nature a person is more naturally inclined to accept fables or rumors as the truth, and completely unnatural to accept the truth that could free them from the sinful inheritance of their fathers. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers 
and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables, 2 Timothy 4.3.4. Such behavior is always and unequivocally the choice of man testifying of the fact that he resists and refuses to be filled with the fear of the Lord for the benefit of satisfying his whims. Third, being filled with the fear of the Lord is called to be our refuge and to keep us from sin. And Moses said to, to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. Exodus 20.20 20. And so if there is the fear of the Lord, then a person will not sin. Practically, a person who refuses to be filled with the fear of the Lord does not have any safety and when we're talking about being filled with the fear of the Lord as obedience to the truth does not have any safety or protection from sin, which allows us to conclude that the fear of the Lord is the all-armor of God, and this all-armor of God is demonstrated in the form of the fear of the Lord in the form of God Himself, who is able to be our living shield upon the condition that we will continually be trusting in God and learn the name of God that is demonstrated in His fear. The fear of the Lord in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. Proverbs 14:26. Refuge is a place of God's dwelling, where a person can run for help and where he can hide from sin, and such a place where God dwells is the fear of the Lord. He saw, and so Hosea, he saw God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding and visions of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. 2 Chronicles 26.5 A person uh, is quick to to receive the fear of the Lord and God God comes to him. Fourth, being filled with the fear of the Lord is called to take part in the cleansing from sin and leading a person away from sin. Proverbs 16.6 In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity and by the fear of the Lord one departs from evil. This is number four. And so when we are merciful and we forgive their sins, that the sins they have uh, committed against us, God is then merciful toward us. Forgive, and so forgive our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. God forgives us equally to how we forgive our neighbors or others who sin against us, who sinned against us, who have done something against us. And so according to this proverb, we conclude that mercy and truth are products of the fear of the Lord, and that truth in the form of righteousness is a demonstration of mercy by the means of which iniquity is atoned. Because the phrase atonement for iniquity means not take into account the committed act or show mercy or demonstrate mercifulness to the vessels of mercy. According to scripture, such a demonstration of mercy toward vessels of mercy, God accounts to us as righteousness. We have sin, we we commit a sin, but when we demonstrate mercy toward vessels of mercy, God cleanses us from sin and accounts this to us as righteousness, that we have done this. If you want to be free from your sin, then forgive the sins of those who committed them against you. First, your husbands and wives, your brothers and sisters that are that are maybe part of the, literally your family and then also your church <clears throat> then joseph her husband being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly he wanted to forgive her he saw uh, that she was pregnant and he had not yet been with her 
uh, intimately and being a just man, he could have, according to the law, have uh, revealed this and they would have stoned her, but his righteousness was based on the, not on the law, but the righteousness of, his righteousness was based upon the uh, faith of Abraham. And so he wanted to secretly put her away. He wanted to take her sin and he wanted to take the guilt upon himself. And we know what happened. The angel of the Lord came to him and said, Joseph, uh, husband of Mary, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the one that is uh, concealed, con- conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit and he will save the, uh, his people from their sins. It's noteworthy that the work of the fear of the Lord that is demonstrated in the phrase departing from evil literally means leading away from evil. Cancel out an evil thought, overcome evil with good, separate from evil, lead one in the opposite direction from evil, justify, sanctify. However, although a person who is not led by the fear of the Lord does not possess the ability to demonstrate mercy toward vessels of mercy, he at the same time is able to demonstrate mercy toward vessels of wrath and lawless people as well. If you pay attention, these people, they will be merciful toward those that are lawless but will not show mercy toward those who are righteous. Then Pilate entered the Praetorium again called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews but now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, if you pay attention here, people sometimes ask us a question, but they don't. it's not important for them to hear the answer. What is truth? You see, <clears throat> when he asked him what the truth is, and he then went out, and he says, I find no fault in him at all, but you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you a, the king of the Jews? Then they cried again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. They literally wanted a criminal. Uh, Now Barabbas was a robber and a criminal. And they crucified Christ, knowing that he's righteous. And the priests, they knew that he was the Messiah. And so they asked asked me sometimes, people, how is it they knew they were killing God? How did they do that? And so when you don't have truth in the heart, any person will do this. When you speak evil against the saints, how many pastors have come to me and said, Pastor Arkady, we know that you're a person of God, and the words that you say are truth, but when the those that are around me and brothers, and when the 
the majority will be against you, I will be on their side, but know that I truly am not. If you can imagine that they know that this is truth, but they are cowardly, and so the cowardly will have their place in the lake of fire, they and they're the ones that come first, the coward cowards. Fifth, being filled with the fear of the Lord is called to prompt hate for evil, pride, arrogance, the evil way, and the perverse mouth. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, er and arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. Proverbs 8.13 According to the given proverb, we conclude that a person who is not able to hate evil, pride, arrogance, the evil way, or the perverse mouth does not have in himself the fear of the Lord, or more accurately has rejected it. Soft and tolerant behavior of men who today in all places love to greet are antagonistic and absolutely unfitting for holiness demonstrated in the fear of the Lord. Therefore, a person who is filled with the fear of the Lord will not be cordial with such softness and such tolerance, however or whatever it may cost him. Therefore, there again where this uh, softness will be, this, uh, the righteous will not tolerate such things. Amen. Let us pray. Let us bend our knees and our heads. Let anyone who, want, who wants to resist the fear of man that is supported by a demonic fear that we have inherited by the sinful life of our fathers, you can come out here to the altar. We will pray for you so that God deliver you from all nature of fear from all nature of, of sin, that he deliver you from the dependence of alcohol and drugs, uh, nicotine, pornography, and any other fornicating work, from deception, from jealousy, from dependence of fear of illness and poverty. Right now we pray for you here, and we wait for you and pray for you here at the altar. I am going to be praying your prayer. I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He is not against you. He wants that you be filled with his fear that will drive away all other negative forms of fear and will make you safe from sin. Sin will not be able to access you. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. A sign that your hands that you don't have wrath, you don't have doubt, that God is truly supporting you and not against you. Pray together with me, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I open up my heart. 
I love you even though I am shackled and chained I hate lusts passions I hate sin that I depend from I want to be delivered from them but I still am not able to I ask you forgive me wash me break these chains of sin allow me the ability to be free from my lusts and my dependences I want to love you and serve you I accept into, into my heart your forgiveness your justification and right now before heaven and hell I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words I am washed I am healed I am restored I am justified and I am saved your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ may the Lord bless you may he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace may thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you but they won't touch you may upon you the blessings of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills may all this come upon you and your children and be fulfilled upon you and the nation shall say amen may the Lord make this word immovable in your heart you are cleansed by the truth of the word of God and the blood of Jesus Christ because of your faith your faith is your obedience you came out you opened up your heart and God has covered and blotted out the sins and it no longer is existing and so keep this strongly in your hearts and God will continue to grow you together with me upon the path of the morning star we already have the guarantee that we have this morning star because we have accepted the promise uh, of the incorruption that's in our body let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen <laughs>